Morning. How are we doing this morning? Everybody okay? Yeah? Some of you guys look wide awake, ready to go. Some of you in your gray shirts this morning are beginning to question your service to the Lord, your service to the church, as you think about what's all going to be happening this week uh, with uh, VBS. I got to tell you, I for one am excited, but before I uh, get into the message this morning, I have a couple things, a couple housekeeping items I want to take care of. Uh, First of all, I need to make and impassioned plea to our church, okay? So hear me, if you are a member member of our church, if you're not a member of our church, uh, if you just love your pastor, okay, um, that would be me at this moment, all right? If you say, man, I am thankful for our pastor, I love our pastor, he's a wonderful pastor, I'm thankful for the way he preaches the word of God, I am thankful for how he holds fast to the word, I'm thankful for what the Lord is doing in his midst, and even if you can't say any of those things, and you can say, He's okay, we just really love his family. What I need you to do for me this week is fill this bin. Okay? Now, normally, I don't make this impassioned plea about filling bins, but first of all, this is going for a very good cause. It's going to help out one of our schools that we partnered with, Brooker Elementary School, uh, with school supplies, something that our schools desperately need coming into this year. Um, But I'm going to go ahead and tell you the biggest reason is not only because the boys tend to lose this competition every year, um, but because uh, this competition is between me and my wife, and I don't like losing to her, but the bigger issue is I know the outcome for the loser, and it's not good. I can handle a pie in the face. I can handle being dunked in water. I can handle a lot of things, but what is going to happen to the loser this week, I don't want to happen to me. So please, if there is grace in your heart for your pastor, I'm looking at Caleb Dow right now because I don't see grace in his eyes. Caleb, if there is grace in your heart for your pastor, fill this bin. I got a slight nod. I'm not getting anything. This is not going well. Okay, anyway, well, let me just get into the sermon. Good morning. It's good to see you. Uh, (laughs) I am really serious about this. This is no joke. I need y'all to help me. Um, We are back in our series through the epistles of John, our series that we've been calling Abiding Light. We're going to be looking at 2 John today, but before we jump into that, I do want to take a moment and just, man, say a special thank you to Jason Kalaski, who was in the pulpit this past week. He was so faithful uh, to preach the word of God to us in spite of of the circumstances. Um, you see, Jason's a phenomenal uh, preacher of the word. He's been in our pulpit before, both on Sunday evenings, but also on Sunday mornings. And so we tried to offer Jason some new challenges this past week. We tried to throw at him uh, some last-minute service changes. We tried to throw at him some last-minute uh, overall aesthetic changes. We even shut off the air in hopes that it would throw him off. And it did not. And so, Jason, uh, in all seriousness, brother, thank you for being uh, so faithful to the gospel and for leading us so well. Man, I got to say, it's refreshing uh, to know that we have Jason and Corey and and like-minded brothers who can stand up in this pulpit and faithfully uh, preach the word of God. It's something I've been praying for since my first uh, Sunday here, is that we would have that opportunity um, to hear from men who can shepherd us well according to the word, and I believe we have that, and I believe we have more to come, and so that is something I'm very excited about. So again, Jason, uh, thank you so much. Many of you are asking, Pastor, why are you not wearing your gray VBS shirt um, today? Um, I'm just going to go ahead and confess to you. Uh, I tend to get up here and under the lights and the lack of air 
um, because I believe it should be about 58 in this room as opposed to what it currently is. Um, I sweat profusely. And so uh, having confessed that to you, I think you'd be more focused on my sweat stains than you actually would the word of God. And so that's why I'm not in my gray t-shirt. However, I will be wearing it this afternoon, this evening, and for the rest of the week. So just know that I'm excited. I'm looking forward to VBS. I'm looking forward to what God is going to do through the week with our adults, but also with our children. Now, today, again, we're going to be looking at 2 John uh, this morning. And what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to really look at 2 John and work through how we as Christians, we as those who have been called to abide in Christ, we are the ones who are now called to be obedient to the commands of God by walking in capital truth, which comes from the word of God, because of our love for his truth, but also because of our love for one another. You see, when you begin to think about the Christian walk, we have to realize that truth and love are actually on parallel paths, and they are on parallel paths that all of Christianity now runs on. In fact, it's truth and love that bring balance to the Christian faith. They bring balance and and transparency, not only to our faith, but also to our conduct as Christians. And sadly, what we're seeing in, in many churches in our day, particularly the Western church, many churches are now in danger of forgetting or discarding both truth and love. In fact, I gotta tell you this past week, my heart was broken um, as I watched a sermon from a dear friend and a brother in Christ. You see, I, I had the, the privilege of getting to know a lot of brothers who had been called um, into ministry who are now faithfully pastoring churches, and I like to listen to their sermons when they post them online and to, to be encouraged by them, but then also to send them emails and text messages uh, to encourage them and edify them. But I got to tell you, my heart broke as I listened to one of my brothers, a man who is a faithful minister of the Word of God, and it broke my heart to listen to him spend the first 20 minutes of his sermon dealing with people from within his own church who are now spreading lies, not only about the church, but also about him as a pastor and his leaders. Now, I got to tell you, this grieved my heart because no pastor should ever have to spend 20 minutes addressing lies. And so I began to pray for him as I grieved. And it was in that moment of prayer, I was reminded that we ourselves here at Southside, we, we are not immune from the attacks that can come from outside in this world. But yet at the same time as a church, we are not immune from the attacks that can also come from within. You see, we are currently living in a time where too many quote-unquote Christians, and I want to use that term loosely right now, are are coming into our churches and they're using their authority or they're using their reputation in order to sweep people away from the word of God. It's like I read a quote by Blaise Pascal who said this, truth is so obscure in these times and falsehood so established that unless we love truth, we cannot know it. And so as we look to our text today here in 2 John, John himself was so concerned about truth and so concerned about love that he dedicated an entire letter to this very topic. And that is the letter that we have before us today. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I would encourage you now to join me as we begin reading 2 John together. And again, I would ask if you can and you are able, once you have found your place, I would invite you now to stand in honor of the reading of the word of God. Now again, this is the second letter of John, Second John, beginning in verse 1. John writes, 
the elder, to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, in truth and love. I rejoiced greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves, so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting, for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. Let's pray together. Father God, we come before you right now thanking you so much for this day. And Father, we thank you for the opportunity now that we have in these next few moments to just simply spend time in your word. Father, we praise you for the opportunity we've already had this morning to sing your word, to to hear your word spoken, to pray your word. And Father, now as we sit under the teaching of your word, Lord, we ask that you and you alone would be glorified. Father, we praise you for who you are. We thank you for what you have done. We praise you, God, that we even have your word today. And so, Father, help us to be people who live by your truth. Help us to be people who follow your commands and live by your love. God, we thank you that you loved us first. We thank you that you delight in us, that you have called us to be your own. And so, Father, help us to be a people today who are bold and ready and passionate about making you known. And so, Father, in these next few moments that we have together, we ask that you and you alone would be glorified. Jesus, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you. And it's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Now, this letter is a tiny epistle filled with great wisdom, as you can already see. You see, even though this letter is anonymous, most scholars are going to agree that John is the one who actually wrote this letter. Now, if you were to study 2 John in the Greek itself, you would find that this letter only contains 245 Greek words, thereby making it the second shortest book in the Bible. Now, what we know of this letter is that John wrote this letter probably from Ephesus sometime between A.D. 80 and A.D. 95. And many early church historians believe that this letter, along with 3 John, were probably written sometime after John was released from the island of Patmos, which is where he wrote Revelation. So if our historians are correct and what they say is true, 
which I would agree with them at this moment. That would mean that what we have in our text today in 2 John and what we're going to see next in 3 John are actually the last New Testament books to ever be written. Now, although this letter is short, we can see that this letter is filled with words of encouragement for the believers. And at the same time, it's filled with words of instruction for those who are believers who care about truth and love. And so here's John's main point. As believers in Christ, as those who abide in Christ, we must walk in Christ's commands as we love the truth of his teaching. And a part of that loving of the truth, if you will, is that we are now called to love others in the same truth. Now, notice this about the letter. John never uh, points or defines what exactly truth is for us. However, we can see and know that the truth that John clearly has in mind is the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so John wants us to know that God has revealed his truth both completely and supremely in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. So let's again look at our text this morning and see what John has called us to as we seek uh, to love both or, or to know God in truth and love. First, we see in verses one through three that we are called to love Truth. Now, John actually opens his letter by introducing himself as the elder. Now, this introduction was actually unique specifically to 2nd and 3rd John. You see, John at this moment is now emphasizing both his position and personal relationship as he shares with those who are receiving and reading this particular letter. You see, John uses the word elder in order to show that he is a man who has earned authority. He is a man who has earned respect due to his experience, due to his character, due to his integrity, his morality, his service, both to the Lord and also to the local church, and also his reputation, both in the church and within the local community. So clearly, John is someone who is known well, both within the church, but also within the community he lives in. In fact, John is seen as someone who both cares about people and can be respected by all people who know him. Now, it would be good of us this morning as Christians to pause for a moment and ask ourselves, are we living up to the characteristics as defined by John, according to the word? In fact, let me, let me just do this for a moment. Men in the room, are we living up to the standard of what it means to be an elder? Are we living up to the standard of what it means to have a good uh, reputation in both integrity and in morality and in service? Are we known well in our community, not based on popularity, but based upon how we faithfully serve according to the glory of God. Now, women, you, you have a part to play in this as well. Are you a woman of integrity, a woman of good character? Do you serve faithfully? Now, again, I know it seems like I'm emphasizing men more than women, and there is actually a reason for this. You see, the old cliche that we've always heard, 20% of the people in the church do 80% of the work, that still holds true. 
But when you take that 20% number and break it down even further, what you find is this. It's actually 80% of the women doing the work and serving in the church. And so the question I have to ask ourselves is where are the men? Where are the men who are faithfully leading their families? Where are the men who are faithfully leading their church? Where are the men who are faithfully living on mission for God, for the glory of God within our communities? And notice, I didn't say or. Notice as men, we have to do all of those things faithfully. We have to be faithfully leading and serving in the church. We have to be faithfully leading and serving in the community. We have to be faithfully leading and serving in our homes. And men, yes, let me tell you, this calls for sacrifice. Now again, I know I'm picking on the men. I'm not trying to elevate the status of a man here because here's the reality. I think the women get this. I don't think I need to speak to the women on this point, okay? That's the only reason why women, I'm I'm excluding you right now. I I think you understand this one. In fact, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you, in watching many of you women this past week, you get it, okay? I'm just concerned about the men at this moment because where are the men who are striving to be elders? Because I'm gonna go ahead and tell you something, men. I love the women dearly of our church, and many of us do. And I'm gonna tell you as a single man, if you're not leading a godly life, growing in character, striving and seeking to have the characteristics of an elder, then trust me, there is not a woman in our church that you are ready for because they will run circles around you and they deserve better. So you see, we have got to be faithful leaders in our church. We have got to be faithful leaders in our home. We have got to be faithful leaders in our community. And now this not only goes for the men, it also goes for the women as well. Now John moves from there and he tells us who the recipient of this letter is. He says it's to the elect lady and her children. Now again, the word elect literally means uh, chosen here. And so you may ask the question, but who is this chosen lady and her her children? Well, most scholars would agree that John is, is referring to the lady and the children. They are actually the local church and its members. And so by using the term elect lady, John is now showing his love and his respect and his care for the local church. You see, John wanted the church to know that God in particular had chosen this community to be his own and now they belong to God and it is God who now cares for them both corporately but also individually. Now for us today as members a part of the body of Christ, this particular section should cause us great joy. You see, as members of Southside Baptist Church, as God's chosen people. We have been chosen by God. It is God who looks upon us with love. It is God who has called us to himself and made himself known to us. And it is God who will care for us. So as believers today, as a part of the local church, don't miss the assurance that we now have as a body of believers who are faithful to the local church. You see, God holds us in his hands. And not because of anything that we have done, not because of anything that we can do, 
Not because of anything that we can offer to God, but he simply does it because he has chosen us, because he loves us, and it was God who loved us first, not the other way around. John then goes on to speak of the church, and he says, in whom I love in truth. Again, we're still in verse 1, and John here wants the church to know again that he truly loves them, and his love is not one of those one-and-done type of statements, but rather his love is a continuous action for the local body that will never cease to exist. And so John shares with us that his love for the body of believers is grounded in truth, but not just any truth, but a capital T truth that abides within us and with us both now and forever. You see, the truth that John is speaking of is a permanent and essential truth for all those who believe in Jesus Christ as Lord. You see, I imagine that John probably had in mind the the same truth that led Jesus to say in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. You see, John is now calling those who dearly, or those he loves dearly to embrace the truth of Jesus Christ. He is calling them to make the good news of the gospel of the truth that we are so passionate about to then take that truth and share that truth with others and to do so in the same grace and the same love that was shown to us. And so we have to ask ourselves this morning, what would it look like if our entire church was hungry for biblical truth. What would our church look like if we were not just hungry for biblical truth, but then we were passionate about making this truth known? I mean, just think about that for a moment and then ask yourself this question. Who within your lives, who within your sphere of influence, who do you have that you know needs to hear the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ? And then the follow-up question is this. If you know who that one person is, then why are you not sharing it with them today? You see, as believers in Christ today, man, many of us are going to get an opportunity. And if you're not a part of VBS, there's a way you can be a part. Like uh, Corey mentioned earlier, pray for the adult volunteers. Pray for peace, pray for grace, pray for strength. But pray for clarity of word today and throughout this week as they proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pray it for yourselves today as you as you move from this place. Who among you needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ today? Now from there we get to verse uh, verse 3 and we see that this truth now comes with three companions that John gives us. He says that they are grace, mercy, and peace. Now to help us understand the meaning of these words, I just want to define them quickly and simply for you if I could. So these are layman definitions. First of all, grace would be God doing for us what we do not deserve. Mercy being God not doing to us what it is that we do deserve. And then peace can best be defined as personal wholeness or well-being in all aspects of life. So as we learn these words from there, we learn that just like truth and love, these three virtues all come from the same source. John tells us that they come from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son. Now again, this may look like a a simple phrase on the surface for us this morning, but don't miss what it is that John is teaching here. 
Yes, he's talking about truth. Yes, he's talking about love. Yes, he's talking about grace and mercy and peace. But I believe the key word here this morning is actually the word from. In fact, if you have that in your Bibles, you should probably underline it or even highlight it because I want to point out that this word is now pointing to both the equality of the position of God, but also to the distinction that is found in the person as God the Father and Jesus the Son. Now, let me unpack that for a moment, okay? You see, in the phrase, the Father and the Son, we see that both the Father and the Son are equally and fully God, and yet there is a distinction between the two roles. And so we are seeing that God is Father, and at the same time, His Son, Jesus, is God as well. So you see, as Christians today, when we read this truth as a church, we can no longer compromise what we know to be true about God the Father and about Jesus Christ, His Son. You see, as Christians, We are called to love one one another to a point where we are willing to point people to the truth of who Jesus is and to help them grow in it. That's what it means to be called to love truth. Secondly, we see in verses 4 through 6 that we are called to live truth. Now here John gives words of encouragement as he says to us, I rejoiced greatly to find that some of your children were walking in the truth. John then goes on to tell us that the truth that they are walking in was commanded by the Father. And then that command or that truth, which we see in verse 5, is that we are now called to love one another. So when you read verse 4 and 5 together, John is clearly focused on the gospel of Jesus Christ spreading in order that more lives will be transformed by the grace of God. Notice that John is not getting bogged down in interpretations. Notice he's not getting bogged down in in politics during his day. Rather, he is focused on the message of Jesus Christ being made known. You see, John was seeing what we know to be true of the church in his day. He was seeing a church that was being spun into spiritual and moral confusion. And so John fought for the church. He fought for the people to know that God had come in the form of Jesus Christ and has now given us his word. And so for John, the matter of who Jesus Christ is was now settled now and forever. There is no more need to debate this fact. And so John teaches us as we look at the modern day church that we are now living in a time where Jesus being Lord should be the central message to what we are proclaiming as a church today. You see, here's the reality of people in our world. And man, if you don't believe what I'm about to say next, turn on the Olympics. Turn on social media and and read people's posts about the Olympics. Don't read their posts about COVID. You're wasting your time. Everybody's got an opinion about COVID. All of them are wrong. Okay, I just saved you 30 minutes of grief this afternoon. You're welcome. Donations in this box. I'm going to ride this wave as long as I can, okay? This is the only day these boxes are going to be up here. I'm about to kick that one off stage. Everything goes in here, okay? Wait, this is the boys' box, right? Praise God. Okay, whoo! I had a fleeting thought that I was messing myself up, and I was hoping somebody would catch that. Okay, good. Here's our reality today. 
no matter where we look, when we see people, people are looking for something to follow. People want something to believe in. People want something to worship. They want someone to worship. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is the same question that John is asking us this morning. Man, if we know truth, and that truth is found in the word of God, then, and that truth is clearly settled, then man, why are we not making the truth of Jesus Christ known? I asked this question not that long ago, and somebody said to me, not anybody in our church, thankfully, but somebody said to me, hey, I don't believe we need to make the truth known anymore. And I said, why? And they said, because, they said this, they said, because I believe that everyone around us is already a Christian. Are you kidding me? But have you been to a restaurant lately? Oh, wrong question. Have you sat on Highway 60 lately? I'm quite confident there's a lot of Christians not on that road. I mean, come on, we got, we got to wake up from this. At the same time, there are some among us, and I've heard some other churches say this, man. They're like, hey, listen, God will reveal himself to his elect in his time, so we don't need to do anything. There's no need for us to evangelize. Why would we waste our times doing that? Man, I, look, dude, I hear you, bro. You're all over Romans 8, 28 through 30. I get you. I get where you're going. You don't even have to give me the text on that one. I got you. But here's my problem. Man, I've yet to meet anyone who wasn't the elect of God on this side of eternity. In fact, that's the, that's the assumption that I work from. I don't know what, what people believe. I don't assume what people believe. I just assume that they just haven't realized it yet. So I assume that they are the elect. So I will continue to tell them the message of the truth, which is found in knowing Jesus Christ, our Lord. And I'm just going to assume that all of them are until their dying breath. Now, coming back to our text, John's going to move from there into verse 5 and 6 again, where he's going to now tell us the command to love one another is not a new command. But rather, in the text he says, but the one we have heard or we have had from the beginning. Now, this command to love one another can actually be found at the beginning of the Christian life. And yet, all of a sudden, for John, there was these false teachers who have now come in and they were giving the church additional nonsense to believe in. They were giving them additional false words. And so John reminds the church of a very old word, a word that they had heard from the beginning that still holds true for the church today. And this is where John takes it one step further from loving one another to now saying, and this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. Now, if you're putting all of this together, verse 4, verse 5, verse 6 this morning, John is saying, look, we are called to walk in the command to love and to love the commands in which we walk. You see, the word of God, the truth itself is something that we believe. But it's now something that we should also live. And so the question this morning is, man, how are we doing at living the truth of the word of God? How are we doing at not only living it, but how are we doing at making the truth known to a community that is desperate to worship something? John moves from there in the verses 7 through 11, and he tells us that as believers seeking truth and love, we are now called, well, he says we are called to seek truth. Now, John again talks about these deceivers who have gone out into the world. Now, again, we need to understand that in John's days, these were actually the early forms of Gnostics who were teaching that salvation was a mystical knowledge and could not be known by man. And so they attacked the reality of the incarnation of Jesus Christ. 
Now, as if this wasn't enough in the church, John also saw another group that came in known as Dostus or Docetus or just dumb, whatever you want to call them, and they believed that Jesus only appeared to be human but didn't have a physical body. And so these groups were now attacking and plaguing the church simultaneously. I mean, the only way I can, I can even begin to wrap my mind around that, because I know all of our churches have been under attack recently, both outside and from within, but the only way I can wrap my mind around what John was dealing with was it was almost like all of a sudden looking and all these things were happening in bunches in the church. It would almost be the equivalent of today walking into your church and finding water damage or finding that you have pest problems, and then you walk in and realize the AC is not working in the sanctuary. But we wouldn't know anything about that, would we? You see, the church was getting hammered. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, man, that's not our story today. We don't know anything about that. Okay, this this little blip on the radar that we're dealing with with people attacking Christianity, it's bad, but it's nothing compared to what John was dealing with. And so John knew that the church needed the reminder that Jesus Christ is the center of Christianity. And let me tell you something this morning. If the church gets wrong who Jesus Christ is, then we will be wrong on everything else. And so John warns the church to be on the lookout for anyone who would challenge the deity and the humanity of Jesus Christ. In fact, John would go on to say that these deceivers have gone into the world to evangelize people to an evil system, and they were teaching that Jesus Christ was not the Messiah, and therefore they were denying the power and the truth that is found in the gospel. But notice what else John says. John says of these people that such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. I mean, come on, talk about an awful name to wear. We just saw this week where one of our Major League Baseball teams just changed their name. I find it funny because the Rays just beat them senseless all weekend. And so what I realized was it doesn't matter what they changed their name to, they're still terrible. I mean, that'd be like the Atlanta Falcons changing their names. doesn't matter, they're awful. They changed their uniforms, still bad. But could you think about it for a second if all of a sudden Tampa Bay decided to change their name? What if we woke up tomorrow morning and all of a sudden Tom Brady's giving a press conference and he says, we are no longer going to be known as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but we're going to be known as the Tampa Bay Deceivers or the Tampa Bay Antichrists. Some people already believe that about Tom Brady, and that's okay. But what if the Rays woke up and said that? Hey, all of a sudden our team name is going to be not the Tampa Bay Rays, we're going to be the Tampa Bay Evil Ones the Tampa Bay deceivers. You see, nobody's signing up for these names. Nobody, nobody wants to be on that team. Nobody wants to, to wear that moniker on their shirt. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, as, as a believer in Christ today, I don't want to be known as someone who is against God. That's who these antichrists are. That's who these deceivers are. And we've already read. You go back to 1 John. You can read it again amongst other places in the New Testament. Being against God is not the place to be. So you see, we don't need to make light of these deceivers. Because as John notes, there are many who are out there who are preaching messages of destruction. 
There are many who are out there that we need to begin listening carefully to in order to make sure that what it is that we are hearing is capital T truth about Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ being Lord. John moves into verse 8 and he tells us, he says, watch yourselves. Now again, here is the call to continually be on guard. John says, don't let the guard, your guard go down when hearing people talk about Jesus. In fact, we do not need to be lulled asleep by what is being said about Jesus Christ. In fact, when we are, find ourselves in a church or in a community or somewhere where we hear the name of Jesus being invoked or the name of God or the word of God, we should be awake at this moment and tuned in to make sure that what is being said is actual truth according to God's word. And the only way we're going to know whether or not it's true is because we are reading and seeking to understand understand the word of God ourselves. So let me tell you something. If the only time you open your Bible during a week is on Sunday morning, you're missing it. That's not enough. We should find ourselves in the truth daily. But John goes on from there and he says, so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Now, many have asked at this point, okay, what exactly is John talking about here? This does not sound good. Because in this moment, is John talking about a loss of salvation here? Well, I don't think so. I don't believe that at all. Rather, what I think John's talking about is he's pointing us to the fact that perseverance in Christ, perseverance itself is proof of the possession of the reward that we already possess in Christ Jesus our Lord. So you see, for us today, it is essential that we persevere to the end. Day in and day out, whether you feel it or you don't, we have to be on guard. We have to resist persons and philosophies that deny the truth of who Jesus Christ is. We have to recognize a message that is deceptive, a message that is destructive, and before it sweeps people away, we have to point those people back to the truth that eternity is found in grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to the scriptures alone, for the glory of God alone. Nothing else matters. John continues from there in verse 9, and he says that those who do not abide in the teaching of Christ do not have God. Now, John's message is very clear. I don't need to unpack this one very much. Man, if you deny Jesus today or you teach a gospel that is false, then you do not have God. But for those who believe, as we seek truth, we need to recognize that we are called to persevere, but not only are we called to persevere, we need to recognize that we cannot be separated from God. And so our reward awaits us. You see, today there are cults, there are churches, there are cults that, describe, that, that they hide themselves as cults. There are liberal theologies that, that want to steer us away from the truth. They do this, you'll, you'll, you'll notice them, they do this by adding extra biblical sources as authorities, they're going to add requirements for salvation apart from Christ, and then they're going to try to take away from the person and work of Jesus Christ. So for us today, as we're hearing these things, as we continue to seek capital T truth, let's make sure that the truth that we're hearing comes from the word of God that was given to us from the very beginning. So if it doesn't come from the word of God, then it is not of God. God, and therefore John says, don't give an ear to it. 
In fact, we need to make sure that the Word of God is what is always being taught. Not only for ourselves as adults, but also to our teenagers, even down to the smallest of our babies. The Word of God needs to be proclaimed. John moves from there into verses 12 and 13, and we see this is where he closes his letter. And it's in this moment that he tells us that we are called to desire truth in love. John closes by saying, I have much to write to you, but I would rather not use paper and ink. Here, John tells us more can be said, but this will have to suffice. This will have to be enough for the immediate situation the church is faced with. You see, the reality in these words is John recognizes that pen and paper are a poor substitute for face-to-face meetings. In fact, for us today as a culture that is constantly living in fear, I mean, we are afraid of everything now. Have you noticed that? We're afraid of, 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 of anything and everything that may come our way. We're afraid of weather now. Like we're naming winter storms all of a sudden. Last time I checked, it was just snow. All right? I know we don't see that much here in Florida, but if you go up north, it's just snow. We don't need to name it. It's not Gertrude, it's snow. We already got a word for it. But as a culture that is now living in fear, a culture that is now living behind our technology, man, we would do well to pay attention to what John is saying here. In fact, the key phrase for us this morning is face-to-face, which I'm going to go ahead and tell you, man, this is, a, this is a beautiful phrase when you begin to study it in Greek. You see, this is an idiom that literally translates to mouth-to-mouth. Some of you are creeping out right now. I see the looks in your eyes. You're like, what are you saying? Okay, before you get creeped out, go with me for a moment, okay? John's not using a pickup line here, okay? So if you're a single dude in the room, this is not the time to go to a single lady and say, I cannot wait to greet you mouth to mouth. Don't do that. If you're a brother in the room, brother in Christ in the room, and you're about to go meet with another brother in Christ, don't don't text him later today and go, hey, dude, I can't wait to greet you mouth to mouth. Don't do that. I tried that on my wife this week. It did not go as well as you think it does, okay? I did. I, I called her. I said, hey, babe, I can't wait to greet you mouth to mouth. She was like, that's disgusting. I was like, but it's biblical. It didn't matter. That moment was gone, okay? You see, what John is saying here is that for those who love Jesus Christ as Lord, those people love being together. They love what Dietrich Bonhoeffer called life on life together. They loved doing life together. And this togetherness led to joy for all of them. And so there is a joy to being together as believers in Christ that words on paper or a phone call or an email or a text message can never express. You see, John in this moment is saying, man, he could not wait for his reunion with the church. For John, this couldn't happen soon enough. And so when we read this verse, we gotta ask ourselves this morning, man, when was the last time you were excited about being together with the body of believers? I mean, think about the joy it is that when the body of believers come together. Because you see, the sad reality right now is too many people are hiding out in their homes. They're hiding out behind their uh, their computers. And they wonder why they're so lonely. And they wonder why they're so depressed and why things are so hard. And it's because they are missing the call to be together. 
You see, this wasn't just a command from God, but this was a need that we have been given as all humanity. We have a need and a desire to be together. Now, if I could, I want to give you a personal example of how that's played out in my own life this past week. Man, I got to tell you, we've had some hard weeks in our church the past couple weeks. I mean, Corey, Corey and I can attest to that. You can make it better by filling that box. I told you, I'm going to keep coming back to it. But the past two weeks have been hard weeks for us, man. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you what gave me encouragement was some things that happened to me this past week. In fact, I got three moments that I want to share with you. Moments of sweet, sweet fellowship where I was face to face with brothers and sisters in Christ. And it was just a beautiful moment. The first one happened earlier in the week where I was meeting with like-minded brothers And man, we were talking, we were talking about Jesus, we were talking about mission, we were talking about doctrinal issues that we don't necessarily see eye to eye on, but by God's grace, we were able to work through them, and one day they're going to they're gonna come to my side of it, I'm going to go ahead and say that. Um, that brother, one of those brothers in the room saying, no, right now, trust me, you will. And we talked about the word of God, and man, I got to tell you, it was one of the most encouraging conversations I've ever been a part of. So thankful for it, so desperately needed. I mean, literally, they came to my home and, and took me like a hostage, and it was worth every moment. The second fellowship that I enjoyed was a one-on-one conversation with a brother uh, doing what good Baptists do. We were eating Christian chicken, okay? We were doing what good Baptists do. We, we were only together for about 40 minutes, and we talked about leading our families. We talked about being faithful men of God. We talked about discipleship. We talked about spreading the mission of God and sharing the gospel and advancing the gospel both through the local church, uh, but also through the nations. It was just a powerful and encouraging conversation. But then the third fellowship that I got to enjoy this week was, man, I got to have brunch, uh, lunch, I guess, with our seniors. That was awesome. It's like 30 seniors, man. We were at Cracker Barrel. You're talking about a place hitting the panic button, dude. Southside seniors showed up. It was awesome. And I had to make a decision. Either I amen and affirm that I'm their pastor and we get in a lot of trouble or I don't and they get in a lot of trouble and at the end of the day, I'm okay. But man, I was so happy to be their pastor in that moment because we talked about the church. We, talked, we had conversations about Jesus. We talked about our families and health. We even, man, we even addressed some issues in a loving manner. And I'm gonna go ahead and tell you, nothing helps resolve issues better than the word of God and a Cracker Barrel biscuit, okay? It's just the way to go. But I got to tell you, it was so encouraging to be with our senior saints again. Man, it was encouraging. And so I got to the end of this week, dude, and I was just so encouraged. And I'm not sharing these stories to brag to you, but rather what I am saying is, man, we all, all of us in this room have stories like this. And so we all know what John is trying to say to us here this morning. He is simply saying that, man, there is something good about being together as a body of believers and desiring truth according to the word through conversations that are filled with love and grace. You see, there's just something encouraging about being with the local body. There's something edifying about being with like-minded brothers and sisters. Man, you don't believe me? Can I encourage you for a moment? Stick around after this service. Just stick around. I promise you, there's gonna be pockets of people all over this place. It happens every week. Now, we try to kick them out. They don't leave. But stick around. Join some conversations. And just enjoy the fellowship yourself. 
John moves from there into verse 13 and he says, the children of your elect sister greet you. Now here John is talking about a sister church who affirms what John has already written about. And so John reminds us that, man, we are not just one church by ourselves, but rather we are a part of one big family of God. And so nothing should tear down the church nor separate us because we all belong to Jesus Christ and the good news of the gospel. So as people who seek truth, as we continue to seek this truth and love, man, we should do so freely because God has given this truth and love freely to us. And it's that same truth, that same love that should now flow freely from us to a world that desperately needs it. Now I want to close with one more story and then we'll, we'll move into our time of communion. But in recent months... Man, I've heard people talking all about everything from presidential elections, politics, pandemics, all sorts of social justice movements. And the one common denominator they keep coming back to is you need to join us in order to get on the right side of history. I've thought a lot about that phrase, the right side of history. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you that what you're hearing is true. They're right. There is a right side of history. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you today, there is only one right side of history. It is found in Jesus Christ, our Lord, and his glorious resurrection. That is the only side of history. You're either with Jesus and will be with Jesus for eternity, or you don't know Jesus and you deny Jesus, and you will be separated from him for all eternity. That is history. The question is, which side will you be on? You see, as those today who seek truth and love, man, we see in the resurrection that there is a God. We see that Jesus is God. We see that all of mankind needs God. And it is Jesus Christ who is now the dividing line for being on the right side of history. So again, I say either you know him or you don't. And so as John states already, Jesus Christ is not only the center of Christianity, but as we're going to see in the end of days, he is also the center for all humanity. Jesus is the dividing line. So my prayer for us today as believers in Christ is that we would learn to love this truth, that we would learn to live this truth. And as believers today, those seeking to abide in Christ, may we be a people who seek and desire Jesus Christ and his word and making them known both in truth and love. Man, let's pray together.